We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The struggles for the Chicago Bears continue. And this time it was in prime time once again, losing to the Minnesota Vikings 17-9. And the score was a little closer than it, than it actually was because the Bears got a late second touchdown. But it was more of the same story. Chicago's offense just couldn't move the ball, couldn't execute in the red zone when they had their opportunities, even with a good game by the defense. We're going to break down a little bit of that game, plus talk about the upcoming matchup with Seattle. There's only three games left in the season and potential what to watch for as the season goes on. Before we get into all that, though, I got to welcome in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, man, that was a tough one to watch on the offensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, it, it was kind of bad on Monday Night Football. A tough one to watch. That seems to be the... Uh, Every week, right? Yeah, basically, man. And it's crazy because we there was something that came out on Twitter last night that was saying that was the most watched Monday Night Football game in over 10 years. And it's like, why? Why? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, that was, it's gotta be even, like the holidays, right? It's gotta be like college kids at home or something with their parents. Something, man. I just, that doesn't make any sense. Like it just, and then people, well, because the bears have a big fan base. It's like, well, I got news for you, man. It's like, just cause the bears have a big fan base. All you had to do is watch the game or be at the game to realize that just because their fan base is big, doesn't mean that fans support them through bad times and, or watch them during bad times. More of the point. I mean, we saw it at the stadium. There was a ton of empty seats. So that was weird, but you know, it's just kind of at that point right now where I think everybody's just surviving. Right. Um, I, I think really the biggest takeaway that I had during the game, you know, and after the game is for as many people who have been trying to push the narrative this year, that Matt Nagy's going to lose the locker room and Matt Nagy's lost the locker room. Well, clearly he hasn't because those guys, they may not be very good and they may make some stupid, stupid mistakes and have some things go against them. But there's no denying that that team is out there fighting for their lives, essentially. I mean, they're out there and they're playing hard. Matt Nagy's clearly still, you know, trying to win games. Like, there is no shortage of effort. There's no short. There's a shortage of talent, and there's a shortage of common sense. But there is no shortage of effort on the Bears' part. So I think that's, you know, at least – we can take solace. And especially again, man, like I know 2014 was what, seven years ago. I know it's been a little bit, but it's like, all you have to do is flash back to that where the team clearly quit on Mark Trestman. Everything went to complete and utter crap. And that was a very evident thing. And obviously as we're seeing the bears aren't good, um, but they're also out there still playing as hard as they possibly can. And really what it comes down to, and it's crazy because if you look at the overall numbers outside of the score, the bears were the better team. I mean, they had, what was that? Six, they had six trips inside the Minnesota 30 yard line. I think they had seven or eight trips in total in Minnesota territory. I mean, they started off a drive in Minnesota territory and missed a field goal. I mean, that just, but I mean, really what it came down to their defense played outstanding, especially when you consider their entire secondary was out due to COVID. 
I mean, really what it came down to was the fact that the Bears could simply not get in the end zone. Their lone touchdown of the game came on the very last play of the game when nothing mattered. Uh, you know, it, it's just, again, they're hard to watch, but at the same time, it's not for lack of effort at this point. No, and, you know, the storyline going into the week was, you know, the Bears were just decimated by COVID, um, a ton of players in the COVID protocol, essentially the entire starting secondary, and they were facing a Vikings offense, which, you know, their passing attacks really good, led by Justin Jefferson. Um, Kirk Cousins was playing very well going into this game. Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook. And while they're missing Adam Thielen, I mean, this is a still a team that was putting up points. Look what they did to the Steelers in the week before. You know, they have a passing attack and get down the field. And the Bears were essentially starting Kendall Vilder, you know, rookie and Thomas Graham, Tease Tabor, Deion Bush, Marquis Christian was out there. And, you know, Kirk Cousins had, I believe it was 87 passing yards. Justin Jefferson had 47 receiving yards. Dalvin Cook got up to 90 rushing yards or somewhere close to that. But Minnesota only had 193, 97 total yards in the game. They scored 17 points, and the Bears still lost. And it was because of what you said. They got into Minnesota territory eight times, came away with nine points. One of those was a touchdown late in the game. That was a last-second heat by Justin Fields. And they couldn't execute when they got into the red zone, when they got down inside the 10, um, you know, by putting the ball in the end zone. Minnesota's red zone defense was 26th going into this game. 68% of the time, they're giving up touchdowns in the red zone. And the Bears managed to go 1-5 in in the red zone with that late touchdown. I mean, it's just pathetic. And Matt Nagy was calling the plays. He came out and admitted it. And personally, you, you could tell just by watching that game. I mean, the fourth down call where they couldn't get set and Darnell Mooney goes to the wrong side of the field. And then they run a, a, a passing play with an empty set to the short side of the field. And it's just, it, it just fails miserably. It's like, this is the type of stuff we've seen from Matt Nagy over the years. And the type of stuff that I can't wait till it's gone. Just, I cannot wait till they have a whole new offense. Use Justin Fields to his, his strengths. Again, another game where there's not a passing attempt over 20 yards in this game. And Justin Fields is, is really good in deep throws, really good moving the ball down the field and they just don't play to his strengths. So yeah, it was a tough one, man. And, and I just, I, I give kudos and props to defense. This was by far Sean Desai's best game considering what he had to work with in that secondary. And not only that, but the way that they essentially, you know, it would, would stop Minnesota, give their offense chances, and the offense just set up. Yeah, we're just we're not going to execute today again. Well, yeah, and it's it's just it's a multitude of different issues offensively for the Bears right now. I mean, they lack talent, they lack playmakers. Um, you know, and then obviously with Matt Nagy calling plays, I know, and I know some people disagree. I I just it, it seemed so evident that that Nagy was calling the plays because of. It is just little subtleties. It's like, you know, how many times did Justin Fields actually throw the ball when he was lined up under center? There's a lot of different predictabilities, especially under Matt Nagy, where things are so damn obvious. And it's like they ran the ball on first down so many times I can't even count, you know, and it's like and that was kind of my other issue, too. And it kind of goes back to what we saw with play calling earlier in the year with Matt Nagy, the first few games that he actually called plays with Justin Fields as a quarterback and that was that he simply does not trust Justin Fields. The amount of runs, the amount of short passes, uh, the amount of different things that he did as a whole, it was just very, very evident that he does not trust Justin Fields to throw the ball, which I thought was crazy. And here's the thing. Like, I don't think Justin Fields had a great game. I don't even know if I'd label his game as, as good overall because, again, he took – in my opinion, two sacks that he absolutely should not have taken. He also fumbled the ball twice. You know, he lost one of those, you know, ball security is still an issue, um, you know, but in terms of being a passer, like in terms of actually throwing the ball, take out the garbage time stats. I'm not even talking about stats, just how he looked throwing the ball. He was accurate. He was poised. He had a lot of good, uh, you know, just good throws in general. I mean, even some of those, some of those uh, failed red zone attempts, you know, into the end zone. I mean, he made a few really nice passes. Obviously there was that one, the Cole Komet, 
uh, where, you know, he's got to put it a little bit more in the middle. Um, so Cole Komet can go out there and get it. Um, but I mean, that pass of Jimmy Graham should have been caught that pass of Darnell Mooney. Mooney's got to find a way to either a hold on to the ball. Cause I think his shin was down and that would have been a touchdown or B get another foot down and again, hold on to the ball. And that's, that kind of goes back to the issue at hand is that the bears lack playmakers. I like Darnell Mooney. I think Darnell Mooney is going to be a solid weapon for the bears. He already kind of has been, but the reality of the matter is, is he's not a true number one receiver, nor will he ever be. And I think that that is a good thing to know moving into this offseason, regardless of who the head coach and GM is, is that, you know, that you've got to add probably multiple receivers at this point, even if you go out and let's just say, you sign a guy like Michael Gallup and then you go and you, you take, you know, one of those top receivers with your second round pick, like, you know, you've got to make two pretty substantial moves at receiver um, to really kind of get back on the mark there. But even with Cole Komet, he had, what was a two drops in the game. Um, let's see, Khalil Herbert had a drop. There was at least one or two other drops that I count. And that's kind of the problem. Like everybody wants to put all this criticism on Justin Fields and some of it is warranted. His ball security is warranted. The, you know, the sacks that he's taking are warranted. I, I understand that, you know, and sometimes maybe not getting through his progressions as much as a rookie mistakes. It happens. But at the same time, it's like, you know, people don't want to put the onus on guys like Cole Komet where they say, oh, well, you know, he was our second leading receiver. He had, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I want to see he had like, you know, 50 or 60 yards. It's like, but if you look at the majority of what he actually did, it was either a in garbage time or B in situations where it was third down and 23. And he basically was the, you know, safety valley gets the ball, you know, thrown to him five yards in the air. And then he takes off for another, you know, seven or eight yards. But the reality of it is, is he still had two drops. And again, not to, not to just pound on Cole Komet because Darnell Mooney has been the same way. Darnell Mooney's got to catch the ball. Demir bird had a drop, you know, on a, on a very key, uh, fourth down play where, yeah, was it the easiest catch in the world? No, but it hit him in both hands and it hit him both hands squarely. He's got to make that play. But again, they don't have the playmakers. And when you have all of this working against you, it's just not going to go well. And, you know, it's just kind of at that point where we've seen the better part of four years of Matt Nagy's offense. The best it looked was in 2018 when it was new. It has been going downhill drastically ever since. If you look statistically speaking, 2019 was worse than 2018. 2020 was worse than 2019. And 2021 this year has been substantially worse than anything that they did last year with a worse quarterback situation. So it just kind of is what it is at this point. This is what I will say though, um, for is, irritating as that game was to watch for as bad as officiating was for as bad as their offense was when it really mattered. I actually came away more encouraged with the bears than I have in the last few weeks. And I think a lot of that had to do with just some of the younger guys stepping up and making plays or playing well. I thought there was actually a pretty good amount of positive to take even from that type of loss. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I don't know. I, I, in the moment, it was an irritating game to watch just because it was so sloppy. But when you really zoom out and you look at the big picture in terms of some of the pieces that they're going to need to rely on down the line for the future, I think there was a pretty good amount to be happy with. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, um, you know, because I, I do agree with that. And I do think there were flashes from some younger guys on this roster. To kind of touch on Cole Komet really quick. Um, yeah, I saw a stat. I forgot who had it. 
Jesper Horst that has more career touchdowns than Cole Komet. And that is well, just because Komet's terrible in the end zone. Crazy, I've been trying to tell man. people that he, I don't know what his deal is, man. I don't know if it's like he, how, cause he's what, 260, 260 pounds, something like that. It's yes. like the dude acts like he's a 180 pound receiver in the end zone. It's like, use your body and frame these people out, box these dudes out and make a play. And he never does it. So I don't, you know, I, I think there's time obviously for Cole Komet to, to figure things out. And I, I don't know how this is maybe kind of a bad comparison, but in terms of, you know, using your body and, and like you're saying, you know, using that to your advantage, it kind of reminds me of Adam Shaheen. And the one play I'll go back to is in that wild card game. The Bears had a third down, maybe like a third and seven, third and six. The Craven LeBlanc. Play yes. Yep. Adam Sheen should have ran right through him and he got tackled. And it wasn't even, I can't, I'm not positive, but I, I want to say it wasn't even like LeBlanc had a shoestring tackle. I think he just made the tackle. And We've seen it with Komet. It's it's he goes down easy sometimes. I mean, he has shown he can fight through some contact, but it's not like as consistent as you want. And like again, I don't want to put it all on Cole Komet, but right now, I mean, looking at that draft, the Ryan Pace found a stud in Jalen Johnson, but you could have easily paired Jalen Johnson and Trevon Diggs together from Dallas as two two defensive backs. You could have gone Chase Claypool. Um, it's just, it, it's, you know, Antoine Winfield, it's the Cole Komet pick might come back to haunt them. And it was a year that was a really bad tight end class and they took the first tight end off the board. They kind of panicked. I mean, not that it would have made much difference, but Komet probably should have gone where Jalen Johnson went and Johnson should have gone where Komet went, but you know, it, kind of in, in, in similar fashion here, the youth, I mean, Thomas Graham showing up big in this game getting his first career start was important. And, you know, I'm not ready to say Thomas Graham should be the starting, you know, corner next year opposite of Jalen Johnson, but man, he played really damn good on, on Monday night. And, you know, I saw a lot of, it, it took, it took, you know, 13, 14 weeks for the bears to figure this out. Well, yeah, that's true. But if you listen to Thomas Graham post game, I was in that interview. He admitted, he said, I don't, I wasn't ready to play right away because he did set out the year. He didn't think he was ready to play after missing one year due to COVID opt-outs at Oregon and himself, you know, he said, I, I was mad. I was put on the practice squad, but I understood it. I, I got why it happened. And I just busted my ass to get better and better. And truthfully, if you paid attention, if anyone paid attention to training camp, it wasn't like Thomas Graham was going out there and picking off passes and, and was a star in training camp because he wasn't. He actually struggled in training camp mightily. But he's an example of a guy that busted his ass all year on the practice squad, did what he was told, latched on to guys like Eddie Jackson, Deshaun Gibson, Jalen Johnson, Tease Tabor, guys who've been in this league to kind of figure out what to do, what do I have to get better, and he took all that advice. He took the advice Allen Robinson gave him. He took the advice Darnell Mooney, Marquise Goodwin gave him, and use it to his advantage. So as much as I like, you know, to rag on Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, I honestly don't think it's that situation. I just think it's a guy who got better as a year went on and finally took advantage of his opportunity. And there's a lot to take away from this game in terms of the youth. Tevin Jenkins, yeah, it's seven penalties in what, um, eight quarters. But those are rookie mistakes that the refs are looking at you. You're a rookie. You know the refs have the eyes on you. You're going to make mistakes. I think you can live with these mistakes early on. He was fantastic in pass protection. Gave up one pressure and dropbacks all game. Was really good in run blocking. Um, and honestly, like, I get it. I understand the penalty hurt them. But, man, I mean, there is something to be said about standing up for your quarterback on what, you know, we didn't see what he saw exactly. He had an angle where he thought it might've been out of bounds, a late hit. So I understand why Tevin Jenkins stood up for Justin Fields. I like that. I like that mean nastiness you can have, but at the same time, you got to kind of keep it between the whistles and, and use it that way. So I do think there are positives to take away from this game. And I think the two biggest ones are Thomas Graham and they are Tevin Jenkins, two young players that hopefully will have an impact going into next season. Yeah, and I think kind of starting with Thomas Graham, I, I'm in a little bit different of a boat. I know what he said today, um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, you know, he opted out of the 2020 college football season. So I, I get that he, he came into camp, 
you know, and he probably wasn't prepared in maybe the first few weeks of the season, but it makes it so much worse when we've seen what we've seen at corner so far this year, Kendall Vildor out there flailing around floundering. Okay. It is what it is. You know, you're hoping that you can get something out of the guy. R.D. Burns playing, there's really no excuse for that. Xavier Crawford playing, there's really no excuse for that. Marquis Christian playing substantial snaps over the first few weeks of the season, there's really no excuse for that. I'm sorry, but it, and that's kind of the thing. Like, it would be one thing if the Bears had a stacked corner room or they thought they had a stacked corner room and, you know, they, they just had a lot of guys underperforming. We knew that this position was going to be a dumpster fire Back in April, when they didn't take a corner in the draft, we knew that the Bears were in trouble because they released Kyle Fuller. I mean, it just is what it is. So to a certain extent, okay, cool. You know, you you, you kind of take some of the pressure off him. You make him get better. You know, okay, that's fine. But, I mean, we're talking week 15, man. We're week 15, where there's four, there were four games left in the season, not to mention, and this is kind of the other part that he kind of left out, and I get it, you know, opportunity is opportunity. The only reason that he even got called up from the practice squad is because their entire starting secondary was out, not to mention DeAndre Houston Carson, who's out for the year. So it's one of those situations where this was purely opportunity-based. It wasn't one of those things where they're like, yeah, you know what? Thomas Graham's been looking really good on the practice squad. He's been putting together some really good practices. Let's go ahead and bring him up. It was a, oh, we have absolutely nobody on our roster that can start a game uh, so we're going to have to bring him up. We're going to have to start Marquee Christian. We're going to have to bring some guy named D Virgin who actually played weirdly well enough. I, don't, I still don't understand Adam Schefter's obsession with, I don't know if it's like an agent plug or if he's just trying to poke fun at the last name. I really don't know, but either way, it's I mean, weird, isn't it? to play. it is. I, I don't understand it because I'd never heard of the guy until Adam Schefter tweeted out something about it. I don't know anything about the dude, but either way, it's not like, they had a plan. And the, and the, I guess that's my bigger issue, right? It, you know, not to get too sidetracked here is the Bears coaching staff does not know their own talent. And that's what really bothers me. And again, this won't be an issue in a few weeks, but that's what really bothers me about this situation. It, you know, okay, fine. Thomas Graham wasn't ready to go for the first few weeks of the season. It's also not an accident that he came into a game like that and played it as well as he did, which tells me, that the Bears are clearly, you know, this coaching staff is clearly locked into what they're trying to do, and they're not worried about developing guys or paying attention to the development of guys. And two, they really don't know what they have. I mean, it's the same thing with like Brashad Perryman. It's a Brashad Perryman, you know, was signed to the active roster right before the season started, and he sat as a healthy scratch the entire time before the Bears cut him. He goes to Tampa Bay, and a week later, he catches the game winning pass from Tom Brady. You're telling me that the Bears offense is more complicated and harder to learn and can't get a shot with the, the lack of talent that they have, but he can go over to Tampa Bay and in a week he can step in and he can, he can catch the game winning touchdown pass. And he would have played this last week if he wouldn't have got COVID. And that's kind of my issue is you, you see this far too often. Now, again, I don't want to get too sidetracked uh, moving on to Tevin Jenkins. Yeah. Penalties are an issue. There's still some, obviously some rookie mental mistakes going on, but man, let's be, let's be real here. Like the, the overall performance, like what he actually did on the field outside of those mistakes, he was a hell of a lot better. I mean, we're talking night and day. They didn't even look like the same player. And, and then the first drive, it was like, okay, here we go again. It's going to be this, you know, it's going to be that, that overwhelmed Tevin Jenkins again. And then he settled down. I mean, he had a he was tied for second on the team in uh, pass block win rate uh, at uh, 94.9%. So that just kind of gives you an idea. Like, he played really well, like you said. I mean, he gave up one or two pressures. He gave up no sacks. He was really good in the run. He's, again, and we knew this. I, well, I guess if you, if you watched him at Oklahoma State or watched anything on him after the Bears drafted him, uh, you, you know, he's a physical dude. He's a mauler. He's got an attitude. He, he, I mean, he kills dudes even after the whistle. Like that's just his game. And we saw a lot of that. I mean, there's four or five different instances that I've seen floating around so far of him just burying dudes. And some of them after, after the whistle, but that is Tevin Jenkins. So when you look at it again, when you look at it from that perspective, when you look at it from, you know, what Justin Fields was able to do from a pure passing standpoint and even a running standpoint, uh, you know, with what was in front of him, what was given to him, the play calling, all that stuff, uh, you know, and it's just one of those things where 
there is some promising younger talent on this team. Now, obviously, we need to see what happens with Thomas Graham over the next few weeks, and that's kind of the unfortunate part, too, is they've got three games left. And I think kind of going back to what I was talking about with the coaching staff not knowing their own talent on their own roster, they also have – and this is kind of the thing is that they don't have a, they have no reason, right? They have no incentive to play these younger guys because I mean, let's be honest, man, every single one of these coaches know that they're gone at the end of the season. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's pretty damn obvious at this point. So what incentive do they have to develop any of these guys to get any of these guys quality playing time? Cause this is usually about the time. Well, really a few weeks ago would have been about the time when they're sitting at four and seven, four and eight. And it was obvious where the season was headed where you shift gears and you say, Hey, we're out of this thing. We're not going to be a good team. We need to start looking towards the future. We need to start looking towards next year. That's when you start getting looks at guys like Thomas Graham. That's when you start getting looks at guys like Daz Newsome, uh, you know, Kyrus Tonga. I mean, the, the list goes on of different, you know, the same thing with Jesper Horstead, you know, stuff like that, where those are the times that you're supposed to be getting the look. But again, the Bears coaching staff has zero incentive whatsoever to do anything because they know they're not going to be here. The, the development of these young guys moving forward outside of these last three games means absolutely nothing for this coaching staff outside of maybe some pride or maybe doing quote-unquote the right thing. But I wouldn't blame them if they didn't care. I mean, they've, they're probably already trying to find other jobs or trying to get things lined up. So it's a tough situation for the Bears to be in. Uh, you know, and obviously, again, from a Thomas Graham standpoint, I think, it, you know, when you look at it, Artie Burns has been bad. Uh, Kendall Vildor had a better game. Kendall Vildor still been pretty damn bad as well. I think if if Thomas Graham, if they really do envision him as an outside corner, I mean, he's 5'11". I mean, he's not the biggest dude in the world, but it doesn't sound like he's been getting any practice reps inside at the nickel. If they really do think that he's going to be an outside corner, or at least that's the way that they're evaluating him right now then I think that he absolutely should start the last three games of the season. And I think there's a very good argument to be made that at very worst, he's not going to do any worse than what you've already had out there. Now, the same thing kind of goes for Tevin Jenkins, at left tackle. It doesn't, you know, the injury report came out as we're recording this. Jason Peters is once again, not practicing. And, you know, and I said this yesterday in a tweet, uh, you know, at this point in time, man, Jason Peters probably shouldn't play the rest of the way out unless there's an injury. And it's not a dig on him at all, because quite frankly, man, the fact that he was sitting there fishing when he got the call from Juan Castillo, uh, you know, to come play football two or three weeks before the before the regular season was started. Jason Peters was the Bears best offensive lineman for the majority of this season. Like he's done and not even close. It's not even close. either. Exactly. I mean, he's done a commendable job. I mean, it's a, it's one of those, thank you for your service. You have been amazing. You've been a huge help, but we're going with Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins needs those snaps. The same thing, Jermaine Effetti, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if they want to bring him back next year as a reserve, that's fine. Larry Borum needs to start the last three games at right tackle. I think he will. But again, going down the list of the roster, Jimmy Graham has no place on this team right now, in my opinion. Okay, cool. He's a leader. Everybody loves him. You know, and obviously Jesper Horstead just won on the COVID list today. But again, those are the kind of guys that you need to be getting time on the field because you need to see what they can do. But the unfortunate part about it is, is none of that is guaranteed right now. And I think that's a little of my frustration moving forward is you see these flashes from these players, even Daz Newsom. I mean, Daz Newsom looked, I mean, if we're being completely honest, Daz Newsom looked terrible on Monday night. But again, there's three games left in the season. None of this matters. Get him out there. I wouldn't, if it's me personally, I'm not playing Allen Robinson the rest of the season. Once he gets off the COVID list, he can he can sit his ass on uh, on IR at this point. I mean that dude's effort for the last really for the the majority of this year has been damn near non-existent. There is absolutely zero point in having him out on the football field right now. And obviously the Bears are a worse team for it. But that's where you say you know guys like Demir Bird. Demir Bird has no future on this team. Demir Bird's not really that good of a football player. Put guys like Daz Newsom in. Play them. There's no incentive to do anything else. But the problem is, again, because this coaching staff knows that they're going to be gone in three games, they also don't have the incentive to really dig deeper into the roster and figure out what they have. And I think that's where I'm most frustrated because we saw the promise that some of these guys have. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, you know, I'm with you. And you know how much I like Daz Newsome, but yeah, he wasn't very good. Um, and and the play that the big play that he was lined up offsides, he got absolutely demolished. Um, but on, on a block, but I also don't think you should be asking a guy like Daz Newsome to block. Um, I believe it was Anthony Barr in that situation. I, I want to see these younger guys, and I think you make a good point in that the coaching staff you know, how they coach the rest of the year will be very interesting to see because they are out of the playoffs. Um, and I got to imagine a couple of them are probably trying to put out good tape to get other jobs. Uh, Matt Nagy's probably trying to put out tape to get some sort of job next year. Maybe he sits out if, if he's not here. I, I, we need to see the young guys. We need to see Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins as your starting tackles. Maybe make a shift. Maybe put James Daniels back at center or Cody Whitehair back at center because you're going to need to find a new center next year. And you can you have versatility with Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, to go out and get a guard and move one of them. Let's see Daz Newsom. Let's see another one of these practice squad wide receivers that they have on the roster. Let's see Thomas Graham um, back in the secondary. Heck, I mean, let's see Deion Bush again back there at safety. I think it would benefit the Bears to kind of get a look at these guys, and that's going to be the biggest storyline moving forward here in these final three games. How do the young guys play? How does Justin Fields play? The evaluation of Justin Fields is going to be very critical. And to be fair, I mean, yeah, he's played made plenty of rookie mistakes, but for whatever reason, his rookie mistakes are going to be magnified 10, 15 times more than Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, Mac Jones is on a winning team, so he's, he's kind of got that. But it just seems like every time Justin Fields plays bad, everyone wants to pour it on him. And – for whatever reason that is, I have no idea, but it's very hard in my eyes to kind of evaluate him fully and give him a full grade on how he's played with this coaching staff. I, I, I'm over this coaching staff. They do nothing for him to get him better in these final three games. I think we're going to have to wait and see um, in this offseason if he can work on those things. And honestly, the things, you know, the top of the list, he's got to work on ball security because he can't stop fumbling. He's got to work on getting rid of the football when moving around in the pocket. He's got to work on keeping his eyes downfield and, and seeing receivers. Because I don't know if, if you noticed if there was a couple plays on boot actions where he had guys wide open streaking across the middle of the field and he just kept on rolling right, kept on rolling right, kept on rolling right. And he completed one of them, but another one was also incomplete. So he's got to work on that stuff, processing things a little quicker. Um, that's where I'm going to see the most improvement in Justin Fields. If he goes out and lights up these next three games, so be it. If he goes out and stinks, I don't think you can make a fair conclusion at the end of the season, especially with how this coaching staff has handled it from day one with no legit competition. We got to see him next year with a new coaching staff next offseason if he is working on these things. I think those are going to be the bigger evaluations for Justin Fields. And seeing what these young guys got, that's big as well over the next couple uh, games. And then obviously, you know, in terms of storylines, what the Bears do with their coach search and what the Bears do with their GM search, as you and I were talking about before the show, not much has come out. There's been the, the reports from Jason Lockenfora. Um, Dan Weirder had a report on Ted Phillips a couple weeks or last week, last week. Um, but other than that, man, there hasn't been much coming out. And I think they're going to be still be, you know, lips will be tight sealed at Hallis hall until the end of the year. But yeah, I think the evaluations of these players moving forward are the biggest things. And 
that starts Sunday, the day after Christmas in, in Seattle. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be an interesting next few weeks both obviously, you know, hoping to get to watch them these young guys and then too this is right about the time of year where you start really seeing, you know, substance in terms of, you know, reporting guys like Jay Glazer, Ian Rappaport, um, obviously Adam Schefter, you know, on these on the pregame shows on Sunday where, you know, this kind of information is where, you know, usually at least last year, you know, and the years prior week 15 with, you know, two, three weeks left to go in the season is when that talk really started and you started kind of getting the head coaching watches and stuff like that. And I think that that, that is going to be interesting. Cause like you pointed out, there really hasn't been that much over the last few weeks. I mean, you had obviously the, you know, the original report that, you know, the locker room was starting to kind of turn on Nagy. I don't really think that was the case. I, I think we're kind of figuring out that that was probably Alan Robinson channeling, or venting to, you know, Jordan, uh, man, I'm drawing a blank at his name right now, but either way, I, I think that was more uh, venting. Schultz, and he I think just, it's Schultz. Yeah. Jordan Schultz. And then, you know, a few days later you had the Conkle report come out and obviously that, I mean, it's not, not really much to say about that. It didn't happen. Um, and then, you know, Jason Lock and Fora comes out a week later, which has been what, two weeks now and says what he says about Trace Armstrong, Trace Armstrong denies it. And, you know, outside of that though, there really hasn't been a lot said. I mean, really what we know right now is simple. We know Matt Nagy's gone. We know this coaching staff is gone. I think the the future of Ryan Pace is definitely up in the air. I don't think, you know, I don't think there's going to be anything substantial come out about that for probably another week or two. Uh, I think that's going to be kind of more and more of those, like we find out when it happens type of situation. But I do think that it's absolutely trending for both of these guys to be gone as they should be. Um, and then obviously from there, then you got to figure out, are you going to do president of football ops? And if not, you know, then, okay, fine. Then you just hire the GM and the head coach. And if you, you know, if you are going to go a different route with, you know, the structure of the front office, then, you know, who are the guys up top going to be that are going to be the boss of the GM and the head coach and so on and so forth. So, it's going to be, we're kind of getting to that point where, you know, we're, we're all dragging through the season right now. Right. I think, I think the bears come on and I think there's just kind of like that it's entertainment to a certain extent, but it's also a lot of frustration. It's a lot of, you know, why are we still having to watch this all the, you know, all the, you know, so on and so forth. But I mean, we've only got three, three games left in the NFL regular season. And then again, man, that's going to be a really interesting off season for the bears, uh, but you know, with the Seahawks game, I, I think we're going to see another bad game, man. I, I mean, I could be wrong. It's crazy because the, the Seahawks are seven point favorites, but they're only a game better than the bears right now. But if you, if you look statistically speaking in terms of yards, uh, Seattle is actually averaging less yards per game than the bears are right now, which is absolutely shocking. And they're only averaging like two and a half, three more points a game than the bears are, uh, yeah, man, I, I just, it, again, I'm not going to say the Bears are going to win this game. I'm sure we'll get to that. But this is probably going to be another pretty bad game to actually have to sit down and watch. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, too, because I've always wanted to go to Seattle, and I... Figured, man, I can make a trip out there this year and watch the Bears, but it's a day after Christmas and with COVID kind of sur surging all over the country. Um, not going to make that trip, but yeah, it's 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 you know, I think it's a it's a battle of two teams that I think could have new head coaches next year. I think the Bears will for sure, and I think I could see Seattle making that move. I think Seattle could actually go for you know a complete restart, a complete rebuild. Um, and move someone like Russell Wilson and start to move some of those pieces, you know, moving forward. I believe they don't have a first round pick because of the, was it the Jamal Adams deal? Where they, yeah, they I think gave they the gave first up two first round picks for Jamal Adams, which honestly, man, if we're, if we're being completely honest, <laughs> Seattle with a first round pick has been a complete disaster and a head scratcher damn near every year for the last, what, five or six years. So maybe yep. it's not the worst thing in the world for them. 
Yeah. And you know, they're, they're a team that I, I don't, I think they do need to restart and you know, it, it's there. I'm looking at them. I've seen them play a couple of times this year. They don't do like nothing really stands out, you know, watching Russell Wilson struggle in green Bay, watching that game a little bit last night um, when they took on the Rams, it's like, DK Metcalf has struggled at times. Russell struggled at times. Their past secondary is not very good. Um, this will be an interesting game. I, I can honestly see it, man, going, you know, a lot of different ways here. I, I honestly have no idea what to expect. And when kind of coming up with a prediction, I, I really, man, I, I, I struggled with it. I went both ways. I, I said, you know, I think the Bears can win this game. Um, I think Seattle can win this game. And ultimately, I went back. I think the home field of Seattle playing out there is tough. Those 305 starts, um, local time here, it's it's not easy playing there. And I, I don't think the Bears are going to win this game. But what I'm going to be looking forward, those young guys, man, looking at the young guys, how they play, and especially Justin Fields against, you know, what is a, a not a very good pass defense. So, you know, I guess I kind of kick things off. I, I do think. My prediction, I think Seattle's going to win. I think this is going to be an ugly game. I think we're going to be in for one of those like 16-13, 16-10 type games where both teams are just making mistakes and neither team can kind of get into any rhythm and establish themselves as, you know, get out to a lead and, and coast. I think it's going to be close. Um, I, I think the X factor for the Bears, I'm going to go with Justin Fields. I'm going to say this offense got to kind of get humming here. Him and Darnell Mooney got to get, clicking a little more and get that run game going. Let's see David Montgomery rack up some yards, get over a hundred. Um, and hopefully, you know, flipping the defense, hopefully Robert Quinn gets one step closer to breaking that, uh, that sack record. Yeah, it's, man, it, this game is really, really hard because I mean, let's just be honest here. I mean, the bears have been pretty consistently bad for the majority of the year. Seattle has been about as inconsistent as it gets. You know, it's just one of those things right now where, you don't know what team's going to show up on a weekly basis. I mean, they've had some pretty impressive. I mean, really, they were struggling bad, um, you know, before Russell Wilson came back, and they've been playing better since Russell Wilson came back. The defense has actually been playing better as well. Uh, but offensively, I mean, since Wilson's come back, they're only averaging 20 points a game, which is pretty crazy. Russell Wilson still, to me, does not look healthy. You know, the crazy thing is, man, it, well, let me just ask you this. Maybe you know the answer. Maybe you don't. Do you remember before this this year, because this year will be the first time that they've had a losing record in quite a while, do you remember the last time that the, the Seahawks had a losing record? Seattle, oh, God, it has to be. Is it the the year they went to the playoffs against the Bears? Um, no, it was actually the year after. They went 7-9 okay. and nine twice. Yeah, so it was 2011 was the last time that they Jeez. had a non-winning record. They've made the playoffs in that stretch between you know basically in those 10 years they've made the playoffs seven out of ten times i mean that just gives you an idea man that the the seahawks have been the model of consistency and pretty you know was, pretty consistent success was that was it, you said 2011 right 2011 yeah 2010 was, was the year that they went seven and nine and then the bears beat them in the playoffs was um was 2011 the game that uh they beat the bears at soldier field that was 2012. Uh, that you talking about the, the basically Brian Urlacher's last game in a Bears uniform? That so Wilson was a rookie in what 2012? Yeah. Okay. Didn't they, did they? I think they beat him the year before that too. Yeah, they could have. Well, dude, they they played. They, they these two teams have played so many damn times. But yeah, I'm really my 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 remembrance of that time is the you know basically the the year that the bears kind of fell apart under levy smith they got off that seven and one start and they really needed that game in seattle and yeah Erlacher, i think he like popped a hamstring or whatever the hell it was trying to chase down russell wilson and that was his last game with the bears because then you know from there uh mark tressman and, and phil emery well phil emery was already the gm but mark tressman came in and they made a bunch of sweeping decisions and he was gone but yeah it's 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 crazy to think about but you know it I went back and forth a little bit too, in terms of score prediction. Um, ultimately, I think this is going to be an ugly game. I think it's going to be a decently close game. I went 24, 17, uh, Seattle, uh, again, no real basis behind it, but I figured, Hey, you know, Vegas is getting them seven points. The bears have been absolutely awful against the spread this year. Uh, when, you know, being underdogs by more than four and a half points. So this fits right in with that. And then as far as the X factor, 
I mean, I, at least to me, it's pretty damn obvious. The Bears got to score points. Well, and the only way that they're going to score points is, you know, converting the drives in opponent territory into actual points. They had going into that final drive, before going into that final drive, they had three points and they were in opponent's territory five different times. Or not, not even opponent's territory, inside the 25 five different times and they couldn't come away with any points. And I mean, obviously you know, in the game of football, you have to score points to win the game, um, you know, even more than any other sport out there outside of probably basketball. But it's just one of those things. The Bears, the Bears have to score points. And while Seattle's defense statistically isn't very good, uh, what I will say is they have improved quite a bit over the last few weeks. Um, and, you know, they seem to be playing better. But this is yet another matchup where you look at it and you say, OK, they're middle of the pack and sacks. They're, you know, towards the bottom of the league in interception. Uh, they're giving up the most uh, passing yards out of any team in the league right now. This should be a game on paper where the Bears can attack deep downfield and Justin Fields should have a good game. But as we've seen on paper, things don't seem to work out the way we expect it to with the Bears. So, yeah, my, my X factors is basically score points. It's really that easy. Score points and, Simple. and maybe you'll actually win the game, right? Simple for any other NFL franchise, except yeah. for the Chicago Bears. So, okay, so before we wrap up here, I did look it up. They did play in 2011 as well. And do you remember that game? So it was week 15, and week 11, the Bears beat the Chargers. You remember what happened in week 11? Yeah, oh, yeah, dude. Jay Cutler broke his broke his yes. thumb, and we didn't even know about it until after the game. They lost to, at Oakland. They lost against the Kansas City. The Marion Barber game, right? Was yep, that the Oakland was, game? Yep. No, Marion Barber was Denver. Oh, Denver. So okay. it was Oakland, then Kansas City. They lost on essentially the Hail Mary at halftime. And then they lost at Denver, which was the Marion Barber game. The next week, they lost 38 to 14 to the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you probably take a guess. Out of my head. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think we all did. Um, take a guess at who the starting quarterback was for the Seattle Seahawks. Was it was it Seneca Wallace or Tavares Jackson? It was Tavares Jackson. Tavares Jackson. Yeah, and I knew it was because I, I mean Seattle's had a pretty pretty broad history of of having black quarterbacks outside of Matt Flynn, and really yep. even with Matt Flynn, I mean he was signed, but that was the same year they drafted Russell Wilson, Russell, and obviously yep. Russell Wilson came in and, and and played well. And to you know, there was also a couple things in this game. This was the game Johnny Knox hit had that big hit that ended his career. Oh man. And was, also, yeah. yeah, that was it. And that was early in the first half. I want to say um, first quarter, maybe first half the bears led this game 14, seven at halftime. Okay. Remember they needed essentially one game. They needed to win one out of those like four or five that they lost to get into the playoffs um, because they lost. Um, yeah. So they lost to, Oakland. So they were seven and three. They lost to Oakland. They lost to Kansas City. They lost to Denver. Were seven and six. They needed to essentially win one of those games to pretty much get in the playoffs. They were outscored. What was it thirty-one to nothing in the second half against Tavares Jackson, the Seahawks, and lost that game. Yeah, you know it's funny, and maybe it's just kind of revisionist history mentally. But I feel like because I mean, obviously that was the year following the Bears getting an NFC Championship game, Jay Cutler getting hurt, and them losing to the Packers, and Packers end up winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I feel like the Bears actually hit the rhythm pretty damn well. Yes, and it felt like honestly, it felt like one of those years where if Jay Cutler doesn't get hurt with the way that they were playing, I actually think that they might have been a better team in 2011 than they were in 2010. Yes, I agree with you on that. They were really good. Um, they were really damn good that year. They were hitting their stride against the Chargers. I'll never, I'll remember the defense was playing lights out. Um, Cutler and the offense was rolling, and then it just all kind of went downhill for them. Look after Cutler, you know, broke the thumb, couldn't play the rest of the year, and I mean they had. I mean, looking back, as he's just saying now, but they had that schedule was very favorable at the end. Like they probably would have got, you know, was Green Bay the, was it Green Bay? Was that the year Green Bay went like 15 and one or something like that? I think so. I, I can't even remember. Yeah. I mean, yeah Green Bay. Cause yeah, Green, Green Bay, Bay had went, the... they went 15 and one and Detroit got into the play. I think Detroit was 10 and six that year. Yeah. That's just, yeah. I, I remember that, that season pretty well. Cause I want, 
I can't remember, was it Haney was the backup and then Haney was playing so badly that they actually signed McCown off the streets, him coaching high school football and brought him in. And then McCown ended up sticking with him. And then obviously we know the story from there with, you know, Cutler's injuries in the next few years under Tressman and how well McCown did. I mean, that really like McCown was out of the league. That's crazy to think about. Like he was out of the league and they brought him in to basically, you know, be the backup quarterback to Caleb Haney. It got so bad to where they actually ended up playing him. I think it was like the last game or two of the season because Haney was so damn bad and he ends up sticking you know, has those that nice little stretch run with the Bears when Cutler got hurt. Those, uh, what was it, two years or was it only the one in 2014? Um, I think it was. It may have only been 2014. Was it 2013? I thought it was 2014. That was the year that everything fell apart. With or, no, I guess it. Well, yeah, you know what? It was 2013 because yeah, where he came in and they they beat Dallas. Yeah. Angry. Yeah, Bay. It, that was yeah, it was a crazy and yeah. But either way, it's crazy because that actually propelled his career into. I mean, that basically extended out of his Same. career another six or seven years, and he got multiple contracts out of that and made a pretty good amount of money. It's just it's crazy to think about how everything happened that way, and it also makes you wonder if McCown had actually been their backup quarterback instead of Caleb Haney, oh, if man. they would have been more successful and got back into the playoffs or not. Yep. Yeah, it's a uh, painful history, man. It's, it's, it's brutal. And then there was a stat that actually came out when we were recording. The Lions have more playoff wins than the Bears – or playoff appearances – and the Bears in the last two in the last ten seasons. Yeah, as I was gonna say, it has to be playoff appearances yeah. because the Lions haven't won a playoff game since 1991. Yeah, so, so it's playoff appearances. It's yeah, crazy, that, man. Yeah, it, well, I mean, it's like you said, it was a painful memory. It's like, well, there's been a lot of painful memories, and you know, for the Bears over the last you know 20 plus years, and hopefully, you know, we're about to see another another changeover, and you know, I guess we'll see. I mean, it's just just seems like the same cycle all the time. Um, and hopefully, hopefully one of these times they will get lucky and they'll get it right. And you know, this time next year, we'll be talking about a, a borderline <laughs> so, playoff man. team. And I guess we'll see, man. Yeah, I hope so. Um, Aaron work, everyone follow you on Twitter and read your work at. Yep. You can follow me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter and you can read my work at the bear Awesome. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach Z A C K underscore Pearson. You can follow the bear report, just bear report. Um, please make sure to rate review and subscribe to this podcast picks for pace on all major podcasting platforms. Until then, everyone have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Stay safe out there, especially with COVID surging. And we'll talk to you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.